In this week's update, the imperative to abandon consensus thinking. US market comfortable with the Fed, but not so with China's economic woes. My name's Gary Davis. As always, this is general advice only, and please remember to like and subscribe to the video. All right, we'll start with some market perspective. You may, you may remember last Sunday, my voice was, uh, was pretty ordinary. Uh, it disappeared completely during the week and is just starting to come back now, I can report. So hopefully by next Sunday, you'll be listening to a normal human being again. So apologies for the raspy voice, but it is on the improved. All right, there are, it seems to me there are just so many things that are being subject to, you know, this is how it is. Don't even discuss it anymore. It's just how it is. That are just simply not true. And some of them in quite controversial areas. And the problem with that is that it risks locking investors out of some marvelous opportunities because it, it causes you to look elsewhere. And so the message in this video is very much about broadening um, your, your target list, which I think is justified, providing that each one of those um, individual entities makes a very compelling case on its own. But a little bit more about that later. And it's just as a couple of examples to illustrate what I'm talking about, if you think about coal and oil and gas, I think most people would think either consciously or subconsciously that they're not good investments because they're being phased out. So why would you? But the reality of what's happening in those sectors is something quite different if you take the trouble to have a bit of a look. Now, with critical minerals, everybody, including me, has been on the bandwagon for critical minerals over the longer term for the last couple of years. And I don't think that's changing. But what, has cha what is changing is the, the um, seemingly deteriorating position in China, which I think could possibly delay the, the situation with critical minerals in terms of the levels of deficit and that they get to, and therefore the prices of the commodities. And we're not seeing the normal massive stimulus response from China that you would normally see. And as a consequence, um, you know, markets just don't know what to make of it. And there is a possibility that we haven't seen the worst of the market response to that yet, because I think it's still in the, it's still in the basket of, well, you know, China will stimulate and things will just go back to normal. Well, there's enough evidence this time around that maybe that is not simply the case. So if we look at the China slump, I, I think there is a, there is some chance and enough chance to pay attention to. I'm not, you know, trying to predict anything here. As uh, viewers should know, I just work with risk and reward and, and the probability of what will happen, not absolutes. But I think there is enough evidence to flag that, you know, you just don't want to go all in on the, on the critical minerals train, because it might be a bit later leaving the station. And that really has become evident in the last, I guess it's been unfolding throughout this year, but it's really only the last few weeks that there is enough, um, enough indication and enough data and China's had enough chance to put much more stimulus on the table and they haven't to, um, you know, to start to think that way. Just some sobering thoughts about the progress to net zero and what stems from that from an investing point of view. So I'm not making any, you know, particular statement about, um, 
about the progress to net zero. I'm just observing, you know, what I'm, the facts that I'm seeing. So the reality is that coal and oil and gas currently constitute 84% of global energy use. If you believe that the, the source that, um, that I'm taking this from, which was in the Australian, uh, yesterday. Global energy use rose 2% year on year, but so did the share of fossil fuels with, within that. So there is no apparent change in the, in the mix of global energy usage. More concerningly is that China emissions are up 4% in the first quarter. <laughs> China makes up 30% of total global emissions, which is more than all of the developed countries combined. So whilst the focus is very heavily on developed countries getting their house in order in terms of um, lowering, emission, lowering emissions and moving towards varying net zero targets, the reality is that you've got China and also India as the world's most significant um, emitters and they're not being subject to the same sort of uh, stringent targets. So, you know, you've, you've just got to sort of step back and ask yourself whether the demise of fossil fuels is going to happen in the way that, you know, this is how it will be kind of thinking that seems to be out there. So, you know, just leave those areas alone. And I've been speaking all year about the opportunity in oil and gas, because I think there's a very good chance that the price of oil and gas are going to remain, and particularly oil, um, are going to remain extremely buoyant um, for a long, long time to come and therefore be profitable for, um, for the best companies in the world. So the messages out of this is twofold. Don't swallow the media line without, without checking. Don't just accept the consensus thinking that something, this is how it is, that it's a done deal because you, you might be missing out on some marvelous opportunities elsewhere. And of course, the second thing is just be open-minded to non-consensus opportunities. Um, you know, that there are some out there, um, as long as they're within megatrends, then, um, then I think they're, um, they're absolutely fine. So that's my market perspective to, uh, to kick off the, uh, the video. And the S and P 500 rose, um, 0.8% across the week. We had a fairly decent plunge on Thursday, but that was largely reversed on Friday, um, both at the index level and almost at a stock by stock level. Um, <clears throat> there seems to be a very, or the, not there seems to be, there is a huge divergence between what the bond market yields are indicating. They're still indicating that interest rates are going higher and they're still indicating the, um, the significant chance of a U.S. recession. Um, but certainly the economic data at this point in time is not suggesting a recession in the U.S. And the Fed, the Fed policy and the Fed language is also indicating quite clearly that they believe they've been able to engineer a, a soft landing and that they've, they've been able to get inflation under control. Now, whether that remains the case, whether inflation reemerges in 2024, um, and interest rates have to go up again is, is another question. I don't think anyone can really, um, answer that question at this point in time, including the Fed. 
But at this point in time, there is quite a divergence between those, um, those two areas of the market. So very interesting to watch that. The market at the moment seems to be backing the Fed, which is probably not a bad thing to do. You know, if you look long-term, don't fight the Fed is is an old saying that, um, that is pretty true. Now the US dollar index has now broken out to the upside. Um, sorry, that's a little, um, a little indistinct there, but it's one of just a tick over 104 on, uh, on the index. The 10 year yield has been up and down between 4.1 and 4.3, 4.4 almost over the last uh, few weeks, but steady, uh, week on week at around four and a quarter. Um, the VIX was up again a little bit to 15.7, um, and the 10-year, two-year spread widened again. It was down in the low 0.6s negative. It's now gone almost to the 0.8 negative. So the bond market still emphatically uh, pointing to um, to recessionary conditions. All right, let's look at some charts. There's the S&P. This is where we were on Friday the 18th. So that was what we were looking at when I reviewed this last week. The market moved up strongly. Um, and U.S. earnings season has, you know, really, really produced some pretty good results. And Nvidia, which is very important to the market now, and is and is another trillion dollar company, came out with results that the market was expecting a lot, but the results they came out with were even better, beat expectations, and so there was a very significant move higher. That all then got reversed emphatically on Thursday, which seems to be no more than the market just being worried about what the Fed might say at the Jackson Hole Symposium. So sold off sharply, worried about what they'd say. Fed, the Fed came out and pretty much said what was expected. And so then the market went up. So, you know, if you want to try and put a label on day-to-day fluctuations, good luck, because it's, it's just an impossible irrationality. So I'd strongly suggest you don't do it. So that's where we finish for the week. Um, so we've had a dip last week. I said there was a possibility that could be the lows, but it was a bit early to call because of the seasonality. And also I wanted to see what the Fed had to say in the week post options expiry. So we've had a little bit of a washing machine during the week. Um, I guess I've moved a few more degrees positive in terms of the fact that this was the low, the AD, but again, I'm not emphatically um, stamping the feet about it either. There's just so many pitfalls out there at the moment that could disturb the sentiment of the market that, um, you know, I think you, you just really need to stay away from making emphatic calls about where indices are going. Much better to work on an individual stock level. Let's have a look at where the flows are going. Um, not much change, to be honest. Um, there's the NASDAQ versus the S&P. It's just really in, in balance in terms of they're either going up or down together. Semiconductors, the same. No real, uh, no real change in the balance there. Now let's look at the, um, the individual sectors. Let's go back to, we'll look at the last quarter, which is most relevant. And again, there's really been no change here either. No real change in the order. Um, so yeah, but there's really nothing else to say. There's just been no change since last week in where the money flows are going. And if we look at the Australian market, again, let's go back and look at the last uh, quarter. Um, you can see pretty much all the sectors were down 
last week, but the order of them was unchanged. And there's no sort of real massive divergence. It's really interesting how healthcare has been underperforming over the last three month period, everything else quite significantly. So that's the, um, that's the Aussie market currencies. There's the, um, the U S dollar. If we put this on a daily, you can see it a bit more clearly. So we, we had a downsloping trend line through there. So we managed to, um, just have a little peek over the top on, uh, on Wednesday and then, um, Friday really confirmed. So US dollar, <laughs> beg your pardon, US dollar heading in the upwards direction. And that's the Australian dollar, pretty much, um, the mirror. And I think we, we're probably going to see because of what's happening in China or what's not happening in China, which is, you know, the economy is just not responding. We're likely to see more downside pressure on the Australian dollar, um, independent of what the US dollar does. So I think there may be some additional pressure there. <clears throat> Turning now to the Australian market, um, 63.5 is where our dollar finished. Our market lost half a percent across the week. And there was a, you know, there was a significant re reaction to what happened in the US on Thursday night. Now that the US bounced back on Friday night, we should see, um, without wanting to be too logical about it, we should see a positive um, start on Monday in our market. The fact that we're only down uh, half a percent across the week is because we had a midweek rally. Otherwise, it would have been a lot worse than, uh, than that. Um, on Friday, the IT sector copped it very badly, one in response to what happened with US tech on Thursday night which was the most significant seller. Um, and, um, secondly, because of what happened with some individual, uh, stock results, stocks like was tech global, for instance. So it really copped it, uh, materials, um, also copped it and, uh, and energy. So they were the worst on Friday, but if you look across the week, very surprisingly staples was, um, was the worst performer w along with healthcare and, uh, and telecoms. So it's a very unusual market where staples and healthcare, when things are, you know, looking a bit cloudy, when, when they're the worst performers, they're generally the, the defensive part of the market. So let's just have a quick peek at the A6200. So there's the, uh, there's the midweek rally down on Monday, rallied uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then got, um, got whacked hard on Friday. Chances are they will, they will hopefully see that pop up again on, on uh, Monday. Turning out of precious metals, um, gold was, uh, back up again, $25 back to 1925. So it's, it's just going up and down as well. Basically exactly reversed last week's falls. And if we look at it in Australian dollars, we're back up above $3,000 an ounce, um, in, uh, in Aussie dollars. So that's, uh, that's it for the precious metals market. Still frustratingly, there is no leadership from gold stocks and gold stocks tend to lead the underlying metal in both directions. 
There's been no leadership now for some time, and there still isn't any that I can really see. Um, there's a few emerging stocks, exploration stocks that are prices are bouncing around based on on results. But you know, if you look at the producers, it's not really um, there's not really anything there to get excited about. Let's quickly have a look at that sector. So there's the gold price. Positive for the week. If we put it on a weekly, you can see it just, all it did was just um, erase prior week, which broke support. We've now rallied back to support. So pretty important from here. Um, if you're a gold pool, you want to see gold now push on. You don't want to see this, what was support, now become resistance and, and force the gold price back down, uh, perhaps down to, um, to this level. So that's where we sit in the precious metals market. Commodities, copper, uh, 3.78, um, which is up a touch, nickel up a little bit as well. Crude oil came back a little, back to 80. And it's, from what I can ascertain, the main determinant on crude oil um, at the moment seems to be the concern over China. That seems to be creating the greatest weight on the oil price. Here's the um, spot copper chart, similarly with nickel. So let's wrap it up. Um, the long-term outlook from my perspective remains positive. So I'm talking three, five, 10 years still remains very positive. China is likely, not guaranteed, but is likely to delay the big deficits in critical minerals. Um, and particularly if you look at uh, something like copper, then, you know, if China's economy is going to continue to languish, then copper is going to struggle until the real demand for the energy transition and the electric vehicle transition really starts to, to kick in and overwhelm um, the, you know, the sort of the, the negative drag of, um, of the global economy and the China economy. Um, but the issue that we've got that we may see a delay in the response to buying electric vehicles in China as well, because the, the, um, the consumer market there has basically gone quiet. You know, I think people have been spooked very significantly by the, uh, by this whole property sector implosion and, um, and you know, they've, they've gone back to saving, not spending. So, um. You know, China could have a, quite a significant impact on the EV market as well in the short to medium term. So from a strategic positioning point of view, I think it's prudent to seek out some, uh, some outstanding niche players outside mining, um, you know, rather than just continue to build your exposure uh, into, um, into mining stocks because that time frame, you know, may now be getting extended. And that's certainly what I'm doing, um, within the memberships that I have, uh, and have been doing for several months, um, incorporating other outstanding non-mining opportunities. Portfolio analyst last week, we looked at several of those. So, uh, that was, uh, that was a pretty good session. And for anyone who's not taken $1 portfolio analyst trial for two weeks, then you can find that on our website. So that's, uh, that's it for this week.
um, I made it to the finish line with the voice, just fell over. And um, I'll hopefully be back with you next Sunday with a normal voice. Cheers.